All right, welcome to the book club interview. My name is Scott Hollister, your host. Today's guest is Matt Sorensen, who is an attorney at law. He wrote this self-directed IRA handbook, the second edition. So welcome, Matt. How are you doing today? I'm very good. So excited to be here. Of course, talking about my favorite topic, self-directed IRAs. That's amazing. Glad to have you. And like we were talking before, I think the the biggest two questions are between, you know, LLCs and, and self-directed IRA funds. And and mm-hmm. most people don't know about the power and the, you know, what you can do with your own, you know, retirement fund. And I think that's such a powerful yeah. investment tool. So I'm, I'm glad to hear more about you. So why don't you just tell listeners a little bit more of what you do and where you came okay. from. All right, sure. So I started in this space in 2006 as an attorney. Um, I worked with my first self-directed IRA client. He was a real estate developer. Um, He bought an option on a piece of property for $10,000 in a Roth IRA. So it was Roth IRA owned an option on real estate. And we're going to talk about this, you know, how you can do this. So I just want a big picture. Mm -hmm. And he bought the option. It was like uh, agricultural property. He knew there was improvements coming around. It ended up turning into highway, freeway commercial property three years later he ends up selling the option for a million dollar profit. And at the time I was like, well, that was pretty cool because he did it in his Roth IRA and paid zero tax on it. You know, and this is a very successful guy. He makes a lot of money. He complains about how much taxes he pays. And I was like, whoa, I got to figure this out more. And so that was kind of my time where I'm like, I'm going to become an expert in this self-directed topic, how people can basically use retirement accounts to invest in real estate or private companies or precious metals or cryptocurrency, you know, and real estate's the most common. And um, it's kind of a little known topic, but it's getting bigger and bigger. It certainly has since the last 12 years I've worked in it. So I'm a lawyer in Phoenix. Our law firm's called KQS Lawyers. Um, I also have a company called Directed IRA where we establish and custody self-directed IRAs now at directedira.com. I self-direct my own account. So I kind of like, I'm the chef that eats my own food type thing, you know? I think a lot of people are like experts in topics, but they don't even do the stuff they're talking about, you know? So I like, I do this myself with my own account. Um, I'm kind of a true believer, I guess, in in the field, I would say. But, um, and then the book. I mean, the book is what I'm most known for. It sold 20,000 copies. It was an Amazon bestseller when it came out in the retirement plan category. It was selling more than like Susie Orman and stuff in my category because, as you've, if you've been out there looking for a book on self-directed IRAs, there's a lot of crappy books. Um, and they're just fluff. They don't get into detail. And that's what I tried to do with my book. It took me years to write. And, um, but I'm very proud of it. And it's in its second edition now. So that's kind of how I, come, I came into this space. Um, so hopefully I'll have something smart to say today. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> No, it's amazing background and that story. I, I love that, uh, you know, original deal that piqued your interest. And I think that's with most, you know, investors and, and people that are in business. It's, it's that one deal or that one light bulb and you're like, oh, I got to find out more about that. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good now that I, you know, I, I love the book, so much detail. And, and like you said, not a lot of fluff, which, which is perfect because that's, that's what you want, right? You want something where you can say, oh, okay, this is how I can do it. So yeah. I'd love to outline those major topics today so we can, mm-hmm. you know, from a brand new perspective of someone that says, Hey, I have a retirement account. I'd like yeah. to self-direct it. What is it? How can I do it? And mm-hmm. we'll get into the thick of things. So love it. Yeah. Well, I think um, here's another good thing to just conceptualize for everybody is 
there's $28 trillion in retirement accounts in the US. Like that, I mean, the only time I use the word trillion is when I give, when I talk about self-directed IRAs. I mean, that it's the most investable section of cash in the world, period. There is no other one place of cash that's got more money than US retirement accounts. Yet most people think of their retirement account and they're like, well, I can buy stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. Well, you can buy stocks, bonds, and mutual funds because most people have a retirement account with a financial institution that sells stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. Mm -hmm. It's not the retirement accounts can't own real estate. You know, they can't buy cryptocurrency or invest in a startup or a private equity fund or, you know, whatever stuff you're into. Retirement accounts can hold any investments. There's very few restrictions. We'll, we'll hit them. But um, the, the issue's been, well, if I'm at Fidelity and I call my, you know, my Fidelity and I say, hey, I want my IRA to buy this rental property down the street, Fidelity's going to say, oh, you can't do that. And what Fidelity means is your IRA at Fidelity can't do that. They don't mean IRAs can't own real estate. They mean we're not going to let you do it. So what you got to do is move your account to what's called a self-directed IRA custodian. There's like 30 of them out there now. Mm -hmm. And they let you invest in any investment allowed by law. So they'll let you buy, you know, real estate, for example. And so, um, so and I think that's a lot of people, they, they just like, what is a self-directed IRA? Well, that's what it is. It's really just an IRA that can invest in anything allowed by law. It's not an IRA with your broker dealer because they're going to let you just buy what they sell. You know, it's like when you're at Arby's, for example, you know, if you're at Arby's, you're like, I, I want a Chalupa. Arby's is going to say, we don't have chalupas. We got uh, roast beef sandwiches. You're going to be on a steady diet of buying roast beef sandwiches, not because you can't have a chalupa. You're just at the place that doesn't have them. So that's with your IRA. You just got to move it to somewhere. If you want real estate, you got to go to a place that lets you do real estate with it. So that's kind of what a self-directed IRA is. I don't know if that's helpful, but that's what it is. There's a ton of money out there in it. And I think some people, I think, hear this and sorry, I'm kind of going on a rant here, but some people I think hear this topic like, well, I don't have any money in a self-directed retirement account. And they may be people in the real estate industry, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really dumb way to look at it because most people you're talking to that are putting money into your real estate deals, they have money in retirement accounts. And so whether you're looking at your own little sliver of the $28 trillion and how you can invest that into real estate, or you're looking at all the other people that have $28 trillion of money in real estate, um, it's a huge opportunity for someone that needs to fund deals, or wants to grow their own retirement account. It's, there's just so much money in it. And just think of like the people you know even, you know, like I have a lot of clients that do real estate syndication and stuff like that. And when they've got this topic, they're like, I can just work with the same 20 people that have been funding my deals for years and do twice as many deals. I don't even need to talk to more people because now these people realize they can use their retirement account and they actually have more cash sitting over there. And so, and just think of like your family members, your friends, your uncle, or I don't know, your, your grandma, whatever. Where do they have a lot of their investable cash? It's not in a savings account. It's in a retirement account. So it's a big topic. That's basically what a self-directed IRA is. Um, I'm super passionate about it. So happy to dig into the details. You let me know how deep you want me to go though. I love it. I love that passion and, and explain it. I think the analogies are perfect. So that's, it's, it's so great. So we have all this capital out there and, you know, we, we want to self-direct it. We want to be in control of our destiny. And I think that's, yeah. you know, you see that shift after the last crash of, you know, look what happened to all our accounts, you know, yeah. and it, to me as a real estate investor, I love something 
that is tangible. It's an asset. You know, even yeah. if it dips, it's still going to get that same consistent cash flow. Yeah. And, you know, cycles go up and down. That's fine with yeah. me. Yep. Uh, so, so my question is, you know, I have, I have a bunch of friends that have, you know, a, a 401k account and they're working at a job and, mm-hmm. and this is a, a new beginner question. So how would someone go about transferring those funds over to a self-directed IRA? Okay. Great question. So now on the self-directed IRA side, you can have a Roth IRA that's self-directed, traditional IRA, a SEP IRA, simple IRA. You can self-direct a health savings account, a covered L education savings account. So if you have any one of those accounts I just mentioned, a Roth IRA, traditional IRA, SEP IRA, covered L account, any of those accounts, you can self-direct tomorrow. Your account may be at Fidelity or it's at Merrill Lynch. All you got to do is say, hey, transfer my money to my new self-directed IRA with an IRA custodian, like our company's directed IRA. So you can move it to us or the 30 others, you know, and then um, now your money's sitting at a self-directed IRA custodian. They'll say, okay. Now I'll invest your Roth IRA into the real estate deal you want to do or into the partnership LLC that's buying real estate or the fund, whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, now in the, reti- in the like employer retirement plan side, like a 401k or a 403b or you got a pension or whatever, there's kind of, it breaks down into two, two sections of whether you can self-direct. The people who are stuck, unfortunately, are those who are not yet 59 and a half yet, you're not at retirement plan age yet, and you're still working for the employer where you have your 401k. So like, let's say you're 45, you've been working in corporate America for the same company for 20 years, you got 500 grand built up in your 401k, you know, you've been diligent, I'm sorry, you're probably stuck. Um, Because they won't, most employer plans won't let you roll it out while you're still working there or until you reach retirement plan age of 59 and a half. Now let's say you're 60 and you're still working there and you can move your money out because you've reached that magical 59 and a half and some companies let you do it at 55 actually. So if you're in that scenario, move it out. Let's say it's an old employer 401k, you don't work there anymore, move it, you can roll it over to a self-directed IRA also. So the ones that get stuck are like, you're under 59 and a half, you still work at that company, that account is gonna be locked down. Now, even within that, there are a couple exceptions to that. I don't want to get too far into the weeds, but there's something called an in-service withdrawal. If you're really like interested in this and you've got a lot of money built up in a plan where you still work, you can look into something called an in-service withdrawal where sometimes you can roll out a portion without penalty and it can go to an IRA. Um, but, uh, but that's basically how it breaks down. A lot of people who actually self-direct, I'd say the most common is baby boomer or you know, maybe they're in their 50s. Uh, or I've got a lot of clients in their forties and they've just worked in corporate America for a long time, or they've been a business owner. They've been diligent about saving, putting money into their own retirement account. And they're just sick of buying the same, you know, like I talked to a client the other day. He's like, he's like, I pulled up my uh, employer plan statement. He's like, the market's been on a tear the last two years. Apparently he's like, I'm up a one and a half percent after all the fees. And he's like at a big company plan that you think would have like decent fees and options. And, and he's so excited to leave and roll the money out. So, um, okay. so that's, I think where you break down. If you got IRAs, you're cool. You can self-direct tomorrow. Employer plan. If you're still working in under 59 and a half, you may be locked down. And that's interesting to know, cause I, I read a, a few good books on the topics. I remember Tony Robbins book is saying, mm-hmm. you know, 
comparing the one to 3% fees, right. To a racehorse having a 300 pound rider or a hundred pound rider. Yeah. And that, that stuck with me, man. I'm like, it's just so interesting because you'll hear people say, Oh, I'm getting X amount of return, but I'm like, okay, yeah. what's the return after the fees? Yeah. So, and you know what, like, uh, this, that, that I love and Tony Robbins book unshakable, um, was the last one I read, which is the one on finances, which is a great book. Um, cause he really does del- delve into these fee issues. That's really hidden. And I mean, we have a 401k in our law firm. I sell, we made it so you can self-direct it, but man, mm-hmm. just for me, even figuring that stuff out, I work in this industry. It's pretty damn hard to figure out what the fees were getting charged. You know, I seriously yeah. spent hours figuring it out. And I'm like, if I am taking this long to figure it out, I know like my clients, I can just see like my parents trying to figure this out. Psh, they don't yeah. know the lingo, you know, and the tricks. So, um, but the stats are the average um, 401k account for a, a, a middle-sized business is one and a half percent in fees. So if you got a $200,000 account, you're paying 1500 bucks a year in fees. Now you don't see it because you see 20 cents here, 10 cents there. They really, it's the, it's the classic nickel and diming um, of how they end up making a lot of money. But, uh, but you're right. And that's, that's another reason a lot of people self-direct actually. And, and you mentioned that earlier, like kind of having control of your own destiny. A, a lot of people who self-direct, they just have that personality, which is kind of my personality. Like they're yeah. kind of like, you know what? If I just put it in a fund and I get feed to death and I don't make it at retirement, I'm going to be pretty pissed off. But if I go kind of chart my own course, control my own destiny, even if I don't do better than I would have done in the fund, I'm going to feel better about it. Because I, I took some responsibility and some ownership of this. And, um, and obviously, they're going to try and perform better. But they're kind of that personality of people who just, they want to be in control of it. And they want to control their own destiny. And, um, and so self-directed retirement accounts are really where you can do that more than anything else. And that's amazing. So, so what are the typical, you know, fees involved in a, you know, self-directed IRA account compared to, you know, just a 401? So you'd have about like our annual fees, 350 bucks for an account. Um, when you add more assets, let's say you own five properties in the account, you know, it's an extra 150 bucks per asset you add after the first. Um, and a lot of companies kind of run a similar fee schedule to that. Some are a lot higher. Um, some some um, self-directed custodians do it on your assets. So it's the value of your assets, which I don't think is a great model because the small accounts may have a little bit of fees, but the large accounts get crushed in fees. Um, kind of more like on a 401k actually. So um, I kind of like the flat fee. It's straightforward. You know what yeah. it is. You don't have to worry about anything else. It's like, it's an annual fee. It's X dollars. Yep. So, um, and uh, I think I, what I would, there's some companies that you'd be paying seven to a th- 700 bucks to a thousand bucks a year. Mm-hmm. In my mind, really, if you're paying over 500 for your base annual fee for a self-directed IRA, you might want to get a, you know, price comparison. But I will mm-hmm. say this too, the self-directed IRA industry, there's, a lot of sh- well, sorry, I was gonna, I was, you know, this I don't know, this PG thirteen podcast. I was gonna say, to say there's some, you know, there's some horse garbage out there, in terms yeah. of service in the industry, and so, um, you want to be careful too, because you don't want to just get the lowest fee and then have terrible service that you can't even fund a deal, you can't even get a deal done, so, so, so just be careful on that too. Well, that's good. No, I think it's a good tip. And I, I love that flat fee service because I think that shows alignment of interest, right? You know, and yeah. going forward and, and, you know, every business has to have some kind of structure to keep going. So mm-hmm. as long as you're up 
and honest, you know, here are the fees. That's a beautiful way to do business, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just straightforward and it's easy to understand and see it on their statement. They can calculate it. It's just easy, you know? Exactly. So let's say we set up an account uh, and I want to put away X amount of funds per year. So what's what's the maximum I can contribute to the uh, self-directed IRA? So now IRAs, um, and there's one other topic I didn't bring up called a solo 401k. I'm going to bring that in here because um, it, it hits your question perfectly. Yeah. And I, most people who self-direct an IRA are using rollover. They have a lot of money already. They, they have kind of seeded the account, so to speak, with what they need to go do the investments they want to do. And so they're just rolling over that kind of mini war chest, so to speak, into the self-directed account. The, and the, the reason I say that is because in an IRA, you can put in, 5,500 bucks a year in a, in a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA. And so, and if you're over 50, you get an extra thousand. So that's not going to get you very far. You know, if you're starting from scratch, you want to do a real estate deal, maybe you get a sweetheart option deal like the client I mentioned earlier or something that, you know, you can really supercharge it. But, um, uh, you know, I don't, I don't get those deals. That's so, um, so the, what a lot of people do, if you're, if you don't have kind of your mini war chest, so to speak, um, and sometimes I have clients that just start with 50 grand and they roll that over. Maybe they use some private money lending. They partner in on some deals with others. Maybe they're buying rentals in the Midwest and they can do that, you know? Um, so there's, there's ways even, you know, with like 50 or hundred, you can still do a lot with a self-directed account, um, in real estate. But mm-hmm. if you're like, well, I need to save, I'm starting from zero or maybe I've only got 10 or 20 grand and I really want to get more money in. If you're self-employed, and for a lot of our real estate clients, a lot of my entrepreneurs, they're self-employed. But if you're self-employed with no other employees other than owners and family, you can do what's called a solo 401k. And it's basically a 401k for yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's solo in the sense that like you own the business and you're also the employee. And since it's a since you own the business and you're the employee, you just make it the most generous 401k possible. And because um, you're getting all the benefit, right? <laughs> And, um, but in a solo 401k, which you can self-direct, we set those up too. Um, you can put in about $55,000 a year per person. So a married couple, if they're married and they own a business, they can be putting over a hundred grand a year in as new contributions. And so right now actually is a big time for us just in our law firm. We have a lot of entrepreneur clients, real estate clients, and, you know, they're looking at the end of the year and they're like, oh, I'm going to get hammered on taxes this year. I want some tax deduction. What's a good way to, to, you know, save on taxes. I mean, one of the big ticket items is a retirement plan. Um, and so solo K is a great one. Mm-hmm. If you're self-employed with no other employees and you really want to throw a lot of money in. Great. Now, and when you deduct that, that's based off your income tax bracket when you retire. Yeah. So what happens if you do a traditional account, like a traditional 401k or even a traditional IRA, when you put money in, you get a, you're getting a tax deduction for it. You know, so if I made a hundred grand a year and I put in 20 grand into my solo 401k, I mentioned earlier, well, I get a 20,000 deduction. Now I'm only taxed on 80,000 because I put in 20,000. So it lowers my taxable income. Yeah. Um, but then on a traditional retirement account, remember on a traditional retirement account, which is the most common because they just been around longer. Um, you know, you put the money in, you get a tax deduction, which you love today, right? Mm-hmm. The money in a retirement account grows. You don't pay tax when you make money. 
And so a lot of people are used to that. You know, I buy Apple stock in my IRA or 401k for a hundred bucks. I sell it for 150. That $50 gain goes back into my retirement account. I don't pay tax on it. It doesn't go into my tax return. It just keeps growing in my retirement account. And it's the same thing for real estate. So if I bought a property for $100,000 in my self-directed IRA, or even a self-directed solo 401k, and I sold it for $150,000, that $50,000 gain goes back into the retirement account, and then I invest it in the next deal. So you kind of, so you get this tax deferral, so to speak. Now on traditional accounts, remember you got a tax deduction on the way in, it's growing tax deferred, and then when you pull it out of retirement though, you're paying tax on the way out. So that's how a traditional works. Um, the Roth is different, a Roth account, Roth IRA, or you could do a Roth solo 401k, you don't get a tax deduction when you put the money in. But the Roth account is tax-free now. Now, all the money you make on it, as long as you pull it out of retirement when you're 59 and a half, the money can come out totally tax-free. And there's even ways to do early distributions called 72T and get it out tax-free before 59 and a half. There's a lot of tricks. But, mm. uh, but that's just the basis on traditional and Roth and how it works. That's amazing. Yeah, there were 10 points. I was like, oh, that's a good question. That's a good question. So, <laughs> so uh, did you say a solo Roth? Yes, Is you can do a solo. So, so in a solo 401k, you can have a traditional account within it and a Roth account within it, or you okay. could just do one or the other. And so the solo K is um, pretty unique. Um, you basically think of it like a 401k, like Microsoft has a 401k or, you know, you work at Dunder Mifflin, they got a 401k, you know, the solo 401k is just like your company's 401k. If you're even a sole proprietor, or maybe you got your own S corp or LLC, it's your own business that company you have, you know, Matt Sorensen Enterprises, Inc., let's say, you know, it adopts its own 401k for the benefit of its employee, which just happens to be Matt Sorensen. And I can have an account in that 401k of traditional dollars, or I could do Roth dollars, or I could mix it up and do a little of both if I wanted. That's amazing. So cool. if you would do that combination, is it up until that 5,500 for the Roth and then the solo, you can go up and over? Right. So 5,500 on a Roth IRA is how much you can do. And then um, it, on the Roth 401k, you can do 18.5 is the max. You can do 18,500. The rest of the money up to 55,000 you can put in actually has to be traditional dollars. Maybe a little too technical for a podcast, but um, I got an hour yeah. webinar on it. Yeah. Um, and it's in chapter 17 of my book, actually. Um, that's the, there's a solo K chapter that's in the second edition now. Um, that, that chapter alone is like 50 pages on just how the solo K works because it does have some uniqueness to it. But, but the cool thing to know, the takeaway I think for people is, oh, I can actually self-direct a, a Roth 401k if I wanted. That's amazing. Yeah, I, I love the, the opportunities out there. And in terms of, you know, how to investing. So let's say we see that, that first self-directed account with 5,500. And mm -hmm. now that we have that capital in that account, what's the process of buying, let's say, real estate or mm -hmm. something more tangible that's allowed by law? Okay, yeah. Okay, now the first step you'll do after you got the money in the self-directed account, you made a new contribution in it, you opened up the account, you put in 5,500 bucks or maybe you rolled money over from another IRA, you got in a self-directed IRA. The first thing to know is whatever you're doing, whatever investment you're buying, let's say you're gonna buy a tax lien, okay? Maybe you could do that for 5,500 bucks, okay? Well, you, when you go make the purchase, the first thing to know is, let's say this is me in this example, Matt Sorensen. Mm -hmm. Matt Sorensen is not buying the tax lien. 
Okay. So like when I go apply it, put a, a contract on it to purchase this thing or I'm bidding on it or whatever, Matt Sorensen's not buying this. Matt Sorensen's IRA is buying this. So if my IRA was at our company directed IRA, it would be the buyer on the contract. And this would be for, you know, buying a property directly or whatever. The buyer on the contract is directed trust company, FBO, Matt Sorensen, IRA. That's who the buyer is. And that's who's going to own the asset when I close. That's who's going to pay for it. The money's going to come from the IRA. Any expenses on that investment are going to go from the IRA. Let's say the tax lien starts paying. I get collect income in the IRA. Let's say eventually the, the property has to foreclose and I get the property or on top of the tax lien. Then the, the directed trust company, FBO, Matt Sorensen IRA would be on title to the property. So that's the first distinction is realize that when you're using your IRA, don't put your name on anything. It's everything has to be done in the IRA's name and everything has to be for investment purposes too. That's another thing. So don't think you'd use your IRA to go buy a house you're going to live in. Okay. You, there's a rule called the prohibited transaction rules that basically restrict you from using the IRA to transact with yourself or certain family members. Like I couldn't use my IRA to buy my parents' house, you know, or to loan money to my spouse, you know, like those things are just prohibited. Yeah. Um, but obviously I could buy from a third party and everything's owned by the IRA, the income's in the IRA, expenses paid by the IRA, and it's, it's separate from me personally. Yeah, no, I think that's a good you know, way to diversify. Do you find um, some of your clients are even flipping houses in the IRA? Oh yeah, yeah, it's very common. Um, so I have a lot of clients that, you know, they kind of flip pro properties in their day job business, so to speak, and they end up flipping them in their retirement account too. And, um, the one thing on flips, and this is, there's kind of like two tax rules you need to know when you mm -hmm. self-direct your retirement account, um, on the, when you flip or you're doing like a real estate development or you're doing new construction, there's, there's, this one tax rule called UBIT tax. So that's called UBTI. And this is basically a tax that applies to your IRA when it receives business income or, or any retirement account really. So retirement accounts were designed to receive investment income. Mm -hmm. So like rental income, capital gain income when I sell an asset for profit, interest income if I'm you know, doing private money lending for my retirement account, um, royalty income, that dividend income from a C-corp. That's all like investment income. And that's what retirement accounts were designed to receive. And if you get that in a retirement account, you don't need to worry about paying taxes on the money the retirement account's making. But if you fall outside of investment income and into the business income category, the Congress kind of looks at that and says, well, this isn't fair. IRAs get special tax treatment and now they have to compete with businesses that do pay tax. So they created a tax called UBIT that applies to nonprofits and retirement accounts. And for retirement accounts, it would happen if you're, whatever you're doing doesn't fall into investment income. So like the flipping, for example, if I flipped like five properties a year in my IRA, the IRS would look at that and say, uh, you, you bought and sold properties within a year. You did five of them. You're really, your IRA is really more in the business of doing real estate than it is investing in real estate. And so because of that, you end up getting hit with that, this tax called UBIT, which is a 37% tax. I know. So now the reason I say you can do flipping is it depends on how much. So like on a flip, what we tell clients is if you do one or two flips a year, you're kind of more invest, your IRA is still investing in real estate. It's just not doing enough deals to be deemed in the business of real estate. Mm -hmm. If you're doing three or four flips a year with the retirement account, kind of in a gray area, 
five or more, you're probably, I'm just buckle up. You're going to have to pay this 37% UBIT tax, you know? So. Yeah. I love that buckle up. Yeah. That was my yeah. next question. And yeah, so I, I, it's that volume, right? If, if you treat it as more of a business and okay, yeah. That's good. And so I tell clients, I'll be like, Hey, once you've done two for the year, go do something else. Private money lend on another person's deal. Get 10% interest and two points or whatever, you know, whatever your market does. Just, I mean, if you're in that business and you have the contacts and you see the deals, just the next deal, just have your other friend that does them do it or, you know, your other colleague, yeah. whatever, and just you be the private money lender on it, you know, and, and then get that money back. And next year you're ready to go do two more. I don't know. That's amazing. Yeah. And I think being the lenders is probably the best place to be in my opinion when it comes to real estate. Yeah. <laughs> Me you too. Know, I do that. I got a rental in my mind and I got, um, I do private money lending and then I got some crypto too. But um, yeah. And I think I have a lot of successful clients that um, just do private money lending with their retirement account. It's pretty clean and easy. It's interest income. You don't need to worry about that UBIT stuff I mentioned. Yep. Um, you can still get pretty good rates right now from people on, you know, if you're funding real estate deals, for example, in the private investment side. So yeah, very popular with self-directed accounts. And that's amazing. So it, in terms of, you know, let's say we, you know, lend some money in our personal account as opposed to the self-directed IRA account. Mm -hmm. What does that look like? Let's say we have an account with you, Matt, and mm -hmm. we call you say, Hey, we're going to lend on this deal. And what type of paperwork would you need? So we would, it's just going to be, look, pretty similar. It's going to be a note and deed of trust or mortgage, depending on your state. Um, and the difference is going to be the borrower on the note is not going to be you personally. The borrower, or sorry, not the borrower, <laughs> obviously. The lender on the note, sorry. The lender on the note is not going to be you personally or maybe your company you may lend out of. Instead, the, the lender is going to be directed trust company, FBO, you know, Matt Sorensen IRA, if I'm out, the one out lending. Okay, perfect. So pretty clean and simple process. Yeah, and that's it. And then, you know, obviously the borrower is the one who signs off on the note and then the, mm -hmm. the deed of trust gets recorded. And so the custodian, the, the self-recordary custodian, though, they want to see the documents. Obviously, mm -hmm. they'll approve it. Um, they need to be done properly. And then they'll, they'll wire the money into title or escrow, you know, or if, if there's, you know, someone kind of clearing the funds, so to speak, which is, which is what would typically happen. Yeah, no, that's great. In any terms, you know, when it comes to a little bit more rules, real estate and loans, uh, the mm -hmm. structure. So I want to go deep into the, the, the due diligence. So is there any other rules and regulations that we should be aware of when, you know, yeah. participating in real estate investments? Real estate investments in general? Yeah, I know it's a broad question. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Well, I'll say notes are for the, for retirement account rule purposes, notes are pretty straightforward because yeah. really the only, I mean, you, the note could be unsecured if you want it. I, I mean, I don't do that. I just, from a due diligence standpoint, if I'm loaning on real estate, give me some collateral, you know, even if I'm yeah. in second position, you know, cause I, yeah. you'll see that too. I'll see some clients are, are using their retirement account. They're funding first position. They're maybe funding acquisition and rehab. Sometimes they're, they're using their retirement account and you know, the person they're funding to is they're just funding the rehab. They, they mm -hmm. got a hard money loan to acquire and they needed another to fund the rehab. And maybe you're in second position on the rehab part. Um, you can have different structures. You can have equity kickers on the notes where, you know, it's like, Hey, I got a You know, maybe I'm 10% interest and a point or two. And I got, I get 10% of the net profit you make on the deal. You know, you could even yeah. 
work in deals like that. Um, one of the other really big ones though in real estate um, that people do is what's called an IRA LLC. Some people call it a checkbook control IRA, but we call it an IRA LLC in our office. And what that is, is it's an IRA that owns an LLC 100%. Mm-hmm. So let's say it's your IRA, Scott. So your IRA, you're out there, you wanna do some real estate deals, you wanna flip a property, you wanna do some private money lending, and you're like, God, oh, Matt, I don't like having to submit a form to you to approve everything, and then I'm waiting for you guys to send the money, and then you're reviewing my docs, and you know, it, it's a process, it's kind of a pain. It's for both mm-hmm. of us. So you say, hey, I kind of need to do stuff like today when I sit, see something or I, maybe I'm buying property at auction or, you know, I just want more control of this thing. Well, what we do is we recommend to use an IRA LLC. So you just got your IRA would own an LLC 100%. And you don't own the LLC at all. Your IRA owns it 100%. But you can be the manager of the LLC. You know, a manager of the LLC is like president of the corporation. You're the person mm-hmm. who can sign and act on behalf of the LLC. You don't own anything. You're just the manager of it. Now, as manager, the reason that's nice for you is the LLC is going to go up a bank, open up a bank checking account. The IRA is going to invest its cash, whatever amount you want, from the IRA account into the LLC. So let's say you called your LLC XYZ Investments LLC. It's owned 100% by Scott Hollister's IRA. Scott Hollister's the manager. And it's got a bank account. The IRA has invested its cash into it. And... You're the signer on the bank account, so now you can cut checks to buy stuff. You can send, send wires. And now when you're buying a, an investment, let's say you're, you're, doing a, you're buying a property you're going to flip, the contract is going to be in the name of XYZ Investments LLC. You don't need to put it in the IRA's name anymore. And you're signing the contract. You're cutting the earnest money check. You're signing the final documents at closing. You don't have to send anything back to your IRA custodian anymore because the IRA just owns the LLC. And so this LLC is kind of like this holding company. The IRA owns it 100%, but the LLC goes out and you're controlling it as the manager and you're accumulating the assets, buying the assets in it. And now the LLC gets the income, it's paying the expenses. Let's say on the rehab, you know, it's paying the contractors to work on it. Um, It's receiving income when you sell it, or maybe it turns into a rental and it's getting the cash flow. Um, And that just builds up in the LLC bank account. You can use that LLC to go buy the next property or make the next investment. So that's called an IRA LLC. We charge like 800 bucks for that in the law firm. Our law firm's been set, we set up thousands of them over the years. Um, and it's really popular, particularly for real estate clients because they need, they just have a lot of stuff, you know? Like if you're a client that comes to me, you, you've been investing in private equity funds with your IRA, you don't need an LLC. I'm just gonna buy the stock in the private equity fund from your IRA, it's easy. You, you do one thing and you just sit there and wait five years and hope you make a lot of money. But a real estate deal, like if it's a flip or a rental or maybe it's a tax lien or it's a, it, even it's you're doing short-term hard money loans and stuff, you, it's transactional. You need to be cutting deals and signing stuff and you want money and you don't want to come back and forth to your IRA custodian all the time. So that's one thing in real estate that's common is uh, the IRA LLC. That's pretty cool. So instead of going to you for, let's say, the disbursements on the rehab, we have it in a separate bank account where we draw from that directly. Right. And so, so let's say you've built up the LLC bank account and you want to start taking money at retirement. You know, Mm -hmm. what you would do is the LLC would send money back to the IRA. So you'd cut a check from the LLC back to your IRA. So let's say it was with us. You send a check back to directed IRA. We deposit it in your IRA account there Mm because you don't own the LLC. The IRA does. 
and then you take a distribution from your IRA. And so you would never take money from the LLC directly because okay. the IRA owns it. So you take money from the IRA. Okay. So could you keep it in there for five, 10, 15 years? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And a lot of clients, you know, they'll like real estate clients, sometimes they'll have cash just sitting in there while they're in between deals and negotiating yeah. something, the next thing they're going into. And that's fine. Um, some clients will open up like a money market account or something in the LLC's name just to make some interest on it while it's sitting there. That's cool. You can do that type of stuff. Some clients even do a brokerage account. There's a little, little more nuance to that if you do a brokerage account because you can't get margin and things like that. But yeah, uh, yeah the LLC is popular. And that's, uh, I'd recommend, and we have, I have a lot of videos on it. It's a whole chapter in my book just because I'd say two thirds of real estate clients um, that self-direct use an LLC. It's also cool because um, you can partner accounts together. So like, let's say I've got three friends and we're like, Hey, we want to buy a little apartment building. We've each got 200 grand in our IRAs. And like this is one I did recently. It's like a few friends got together. They each put in a couple hundred grand from their self-directed IRAs. They invest in LLC. The LLC has got 600,000 in it. They negotiated seller finance terms with the seller. They went and bought it. And now their LLCs are getting the income. You know, they're paying the, the note back to the seller. And, um, uh, and so you could partner in multiple accounts and, and you can even have individuals and accounts in an LLC. And so there's a lot of ways where you can kind of combine funds, even like my Roth and my traditional or my account and my spouse's account, or, you know, even throw those all together in an LLC. That's pretty cool. I love that flexibility, especially with partnering. Yeah. yeah. yeah and in terms of, you know, let's say you mentioned syndications and, and larger multifamily yeah. deals. So, the, the process of getting funds from that account and then, you know, mm -hmm. fund a larger purchase, what does that look like? Still along the same lines? So, yeah, it's, it's pretty similar. Um, so let's say you wanted your IRA to invest in a syndication deal. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there, what the one thing with that is usually they're going to have their own set of documents, you know? Mm -hmm. So someone's out there raising money or they they got a little deal that's going together even if it's a, you know, an LLC with 10 people, let's say, you know, or it could be a, a fund where they got a hundred investors or a couple hundred. Um, in that scenario, your IRA is basically kind of stuck with the documents that they have. So as long as they anticipated having an IRA as an owner, and a lot of the funds in real estate syndication funds have a little section that covers this for retirement accounts so that you can invest. Um, as long as it has those provisions in there for retirement accounts, then your IRA can go in. The, the one thing all the IRA custodians do is before an, a retirement account can own like an LLC or a limited partnership or really any private company is they do a document review and there's specific provisions that have to be in there and certain things that can't be in there. So for example, let's go back to the IRA LLC I talked about, or even a little, you know, an LLC with my IRA and 10 other people in it, you know, mm -hmm. let's say that I wanted to be the manager of the LLC. Um, and this goes back to, to this prohibited transaction rule I mentioned earlier. Basically, certain people can't transact with your, own, with your IRA, nor can they personally make money. So one of the rules is that I can't personally make money off, my IRA, off of my IRA's investments. Congress is like, we don't want people to invest their IRA into stuff so that they personally get paid. That just creates a conflict of interest. We want them to invest their IRA just because it's a good investment. So... So one restriction, if I have an LLC, my IRA is an owner in, is I can't personally be making money from the LLC. So in the IRA LLC example I gave earlier, if it was Scott's IRA, Scott's, you're the manager of the LLC, 
you can be manager of the LLC, but you ain't getting a salary or a management fee or any compensation, nor could your spouse or your kids or your parents. Also, let's say you're a real estate agent. Your IRA's buying property or it's investing into an LLC that's buying property. And you're like, well, I want to get the 3% buyer's agent commission. That's also prohibited because you're making money because of the retirement accounts investments. Mm -hmm. So you could be the agent. You just have to kind of negotiate the purchase price or try and get a credit for that, that buyer's agent commission so that you're personally not making money. Well said. No, that's a good point. Yeah. So Uh you gotta be, so once you're like kind of doing the deals, you're forming this stuff, there are a couple things to learn. I don't mean, I'm, I'm, trying to keep it basic and simple. And, and I'll say this too, I think sometimes people get into self-directed diaries and like, oh, it's so complex. It's really not. Like when you play your, a board game for the first time, it's kind of complex. After you've played it a few times, like this is kind of a dumb, easy game, right? It's kind of yeah. like, I mean, I don't mean dumb and easy, but like self-directed diaries, yeah. it's kind of like the first time you do it, you want to read the rule book, which is my book, and maybe play with a friend, okay? You work with someone who knows what the heck they're doing, but after you've done it once or twice, it's the same rules on every deal. And most self-directed investors aren't doing 10 different things. They don't need to know all the f- different facets of how a self-directed IRA works. They just need to know the one type of deal they like to do. And you just do it over and over and over and over again. And so well, you'll master that. You know the rules. You kind of figure out what you need to know, how to structure it right. And then you just rinse and repeat and keep doing the same thing. No, it's a good tip. Yeah. Anything you try for the first time is you're going to have that learning curve and it's going to feel like it's a lot, but like you said, just keep doing it. And it's, it's definitely worth it. Right. Taking control of your future. I think that's yeah. the that's important key, you know, yeah. Yeah. Get, over, get over those speed bumps and keep moving. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so what about, what's one of the most unique investments you ever seen someone purchase with their self-directed IRA? Uh, Selena Gomez tickets was one, uh, uh, bought with an IRA and sold for profit. So the IRA owns Selena Gomez tickets. We had clients do Super Bowl tickets. Uh, I've had clients, um, buy a, a partnership share in a racehorse. Um, awesome. <laughs> uh, uh, we had a lot, you know, you know, back in like 2012 and stuff, I started having clients ask about cryptocurrency and I was like, what the heck is this stuff? I was mm-hmm. just like, sounds made up to me, frankly. <laughs> and, yeah. and it's funny because a lot of these clients, not a lot, but many, many of them that I talked to ended up buying and, um, and have huge amounts. And a lot of them bought with Roth IRAs and then I have a huge amount of money in Roth IRAs that own cryptocurrency, mm-hmm. like millions, millions. And, um, so that was kind of cool. At first it was like, what are you guys doing? And then, you know, three or four years later, everyone's like, you were a genius. And it's funny (laughs) because I'll say this one thing, and this is, you know, one of the nice things I like about my job and what I do is I have some cool clients that are just like really smart and, you know, and like, and so they were, they kept bugging me, like, how do we buy crypto? And no one was talking about this back then. And so I went and bought some myself because I'm like, I don't know. I know the retirement plan rules, but enough of you have asked, I'll go buy 500 bucks of this crap. And I'll do it with my account so I can figure it out. I'll just go do it so I can figure out what you need to know. Cause I didn't understand like the, a wallet and I didn't get any of what they were talking about. You know, it was, so I bought some and it, make, it was a pretty good return for me. So, um, so that was cool. And I think that was kind of a novel investment at the time that's actually becoming a little more normal. It's certainly very risky. You know, I'm not saying I don't want people to go out and buy crypto, but necessarily, but, um, mm-hmm. 
but you can do so many things. And I think the, the common self-directed investor kind of does what they already know. And that's mm. what I like about self-directed IRAs. What I tell clients is invest in what you know. And so like I'll speak to a bunch of real estate professionals. I speak a lot to commercial real estate agents in particular, a lot of uh, realtor groups, you know, and, mm-hmm. and um, I'll ask them, I'll say, um, how many of you have a retirement account? You know, two thirds of the room has their hand up. All right. How many of you own mutual funds in your retirement account? Everybody's hands up still. And I'm like, how many of you know of a good mutual fund investment? Everybody's hand goes down. Maybe one guy's like, invest in the Vanguard index fund. You know, I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Buy the general market fund. Okay. And, um, and I'll ask him, I'll say, well, how many of you know of a good real estate deal right now? A good investment deal for real estate. Everybody's hand goes up in the room. And I'm like, why are you guys using your own money to buy stuff that you're guessing at on Wall Street? If you know of good investment opportunity, like you're good at real estate, you know that market, you spend your time in it, you kind of have a competitive advantage against everyone else. Why are you buying mutual funds? So for them, I'm like, invest in what you know. And for them, it's real estate. And there's many different ways you can invest in real estate from owning property, buy and hold, the flipping stuff, to doing private lending on other people's deals. You know, like if you have that network and that opportunity, you kind of have a competitive advantage. You have no competitive advantage in a mutual fund. And so for a lot of them, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm doing this wrong. And I'm, I kind of tell them like, it's like LeBron James, like betting on playing ping pong, you know? Like he's gonna go bet on basketball, right? Why is he gonna play ping pong? He has no competitive advantage against everyone else. Let him play this, what he's good at and, mm-hmm. and put some money on the line for it. And that's what you're kind of doing with your retirement account. So now I'll say this too. Self-directing is not for everybody. I'm not saying everybody needs to self-direct, but there's a lot of people out there who should. And so if you're kind of the person that has good investment opportunity, or maybe you're in an industry where you've just kind of thought you could invest your retirement account before, like real estate's probably the biggest. I mean, that's where to consider it. And, um, and, and I think too, a lot of people just like owning real estate or even precious metals just because it's like a physical asset. You know, yeah. it's not a piece of paper or, or some ticker on a screen that they see. Like they can actually like drive to the property, like see the person that hands them a check that, you know, pays the rent, you know, it's just yeah. more yeah. real, you know, you just know you have something at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it's cool. There's many different opportunities. I'll say this because I didn't mention this earlier. The only things you can't buy with a retirement account are uh, collectible items. So like you can't buy um, like an antique car, you know, there was, you used to be able to buy that with retirement accounts and there's a lot of abuse. People are buying art and paying out their, you know, on their walls. They were buying antique cars and, you know, they're driving it yeah. on the weekends and, <laughs> and uh, they were buying wine collections that turned into bottle collections, you know? And, <laughs> and so Congress like said, you can't buy collectibles. The next thing you said you can't buy life insurance. And the last thing IRAs don't qualify to own S corp stock. Um, but IRAs can own LLCs, limited partnerships, C corps, all that stuff. And so everything else is fair game. That's the only stuff that you cannot buy. Well, everything else is fair. Yeah. And I, I thought that was probably the best advice I ever heard when it comes to investing, right? It's if you had a competitive advantage and, yeah. and why are you playing ping pong when you're LeBron James? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know. Great. And I think, and it's re- the retirement plan industry is the worst example of that because it's, well, there's so much money in it and everybody's just kind of stuck. 
They're like, mm -hmm. well, I'm just, I, why did you buy mutual funds? Well, I want to be in the market, you know? And they just, mm -hmm. it's, it's really sad because there's so much money in it and there's, and they just, they're not proactive about it. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's for those who are proactive and really want to kind of take control, control, have control of their own destiny. You have a competitive advantage somewhere, or you just want to be, I mean, real estate's not rocket science, you know, learn mm -hmm. the markets, go figure out what you want to do. Maybe you've owned a rental property before, or you, you know, like, it's not rocket science. You're going to figure that out better than you are reading a mutual fund perspective, trying to decide what portfolio manager is going to be better than the other one. You know, I, don't know. I just blacked out there when you said that. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. no one reads that crap, but, but all, there's so much money just sitting in it because the financial and, service industry made it easy. They're like, yeah. Hey, there's 28 trillion here. We're going to make it super easy for you to give us your money. Cause we know the easiest course of the funds is where the money's just going to go. But if you take some time and you kind of reject that notion, you can, and, and it's not for everybody. Like I said, like if you may be like, ah, I suck at investing or I have no, I don't know anything about any other assets and I don't care to then fine. Let it sit in the market. There's a system already built for you. Go do that. Mm -hmm. But if you're not, maybe look into this. Um, my book's a great resource. Um, you know, of course we'd like to help within our company directed IRA. So mm -hmm. I don't know what else, what's, what can I say about it? What else you need to know? No, that's so good. I mean, it's, that, that's amazing that, and I, I love that, you know, it was funny how we brushed past through, through a mutual friend and reached out yeah. to you. I, I think it's amazing when there's a topic that I'm not an expert on, but now I can have a book where I can go here, read this, yeah. you know, because you want to people that invest with you in real estate deals. It's, you know, it's a, a mutual benefit. And if mm -hmm. you can tell them, it's kind of be more of a financial steward to the money and see how they can grow their capital and be a piece of it and control yeah. the destiny. It's, it's a beautiful thing. So, yeah. You know, that, that example I gave at the beginning, that client that used about 10 grand in a Roth IRA, bought an option, sold it a few years later for a million dollar profit. That client loves me. Right. <laughs> and he's still a client. He's got a 10 million plus account now and he seated it with 10,000 bucks. <laughs> and, and he, he's the kind of guy, he had the top accountants. He had the big law firms. He had the fancy financial advisor and he came back to me and he said, he said, I pay a lot of money for professional advice. All these people know I make money doing real estate. Yet they told me to invest my retirement account in the stocks. He's like, I don't know crap about that. And he was mm -hmm. he got pissed off actually. But when he figured yep. out he could do this, it was like, oh, he was so happy. He was just like, finally, there's a cool strategy I can do. And he was yep. doing it with his Roth because he was saying he was saving taxes on it and he, and he could buy what he wanted and what he was good at. And so, yep. and people value that. Like you said, with like being a good steward of someone else's money and like, it's um, just people, letting people know they can do it let them figure out how to do it and whether it's good for them. That's kind of me. I, I'm not going to tell you whether it's a good idea for you. I just want you to know it's an option. And yeah. then you figure through what you're already doing and how your money's performed and how you can maybe do better. And, and a lot of people end up realizing they can. Yeah. And that's why it's a, a cool strategy. We, I was trying to get the word out more on it. And I think um, even in the last 12 years though, it's the, the industry's really grown with the, the age of the internet and information yeah. Um, it's become much, much more popular.
Yeah. And I hope it does. It continues to grow. And I love it. And I think, um, you know, I have one little account right now where, you know, I, I definitely want to diversify and especially with the health savings account too, where you can invest in. And I think if, if, you know, you're doing 10 deals a year and you, you put aside, you know, one or two of those in a tax-free account or yeah. for a later date, that's, that's beautiful. You know, absolutely. That's retirement. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, I, I'm, I'm excited to grow. I'm, I'm glad I've got your book and it kind of a blueprint to, to figure it out how and uh, mm-hmm. definitely, get, you know, be working together in the future. So uh, where's the best place to find out, uh, you know, more about you, where to purchase the book and any other details yeah. we need? So you can find the book on Amazon. It's the self-directed IRA handbook um, in its second edition now. Um, and you can go to my website to SDIRA. SDIRA for self-directed SDIRA handbook.com. And that has a free investor toolkit. So I've got, if you don't want to spend 20 bucks for the book, I've got a free ebook on there. That's actually about three and a half chapters from my book. That's geared specifically to real estate. So you you can download that for free. I've also got all my videos and webinars that are kind of like once someone's new, this is what I want you to know. So Mm -hmm. it's the free investor toolkit, SDIRA handbook.com. And if you want to actually self-direct, you want an account, then our company's directed IRA, directedira.com. Um, we help clients nationwide. We're regulated by the Arizona Banking Department. And um, we can set up any of the accounts we talked about today to help you self-direct. Pretty cool. No, I appreciate it, yeah. man. I'll link all that in the show notes. So thank you so okay. much for your time today. Appreciate yep. it. Thanks, Scott. Appreciate being on. Take care. And that concludes our book club interview with author Matt Sorensen, who wrote The Self-Directed IRA Handbook. I thought Matt did a wonderful job. This is one of those topics that a lot of people kind of know about, but they don't really know the deep details. Matt did a wonderful job explaining what the self-directed IRA is, how to understand it, how to use it, the rules around it, real estate and your IRA, how to set up loans, and the structures most of real estate investors that he works with use. And I think that's wonderful information because As investors, I think it's a great thing to have more tools in your tool belt so you can accomplish your goals, you know, 30, 40, 50 years down the line and look back and make sure you invested the correct way. I highly recommend you have this book on your bookshelf. It is the IRA handbook that I refer to. I'm going to link in the show notes where to find out more about Matt, how to sign up for his awesome weekly newsletter, and where to purchase the book. Make sure you like us on Facebook so you can stay up to date to the authors we're interviewing and the podcast we're putting out. My name is Scott Hollister, your host, and we'll see you next time.